I'm Kari Rowe. I'm Meredith. And you're listening to the Foreign Saints podcast, a pulse check for those of us that die daily. And this episode, um, I guess we can say, is dedicated to my mom who asked for the topic. <laughs> uh, but you guys saw in the title, we're talking about mm-hmm. the Duggars and just going down a little bit of the rabbit hole of that weird theology. Um, and just going to have a pretty candid conversation on theology is important and we got to stop minimizing the importance of knowing what we believe with the overabundance of false teachers and things out there um so for those of us that don't know um like myself before being asked to do the episode really (laughs) um who are the duggers because i just knew them as some of those weirdos that are on tv (laughs) Yeah, so I kind of grew up watching the Duggars. I thought um, it was pretty cool. I'm like, oh, look, a a homeschool family on TV. But what? Don't you (laughs) believe it? Um, Because I grew up homeschooled and all that. But they have uh, their show, or they had their show, 19 Kids and Counting, um, because that's just wild. Of course, it would become a reality TV show to have that many kids. I think they got their show and they had like 14 or something. They had like a special. And then, of course, down the road, controversies ensued. Um, Their oldest son was convicted of um, a plethora of things. Um, There was a scandal that came out. I guess they tried covering up that he uh, molested a couple of his sisters um, and they didn't handle that in the way they ought to have. And then um down the road a few more years he's married with a couple kids and now he's been convicted he's in jail currently serving a sentence for um obtaining child pornography oh yeah um and again just the parents response isn't uh was not you kept this nugget back in the i thought you would have looked that up i was interested in the theology man (laughs) like everyone and their grandmama has Uh had fun dissecting all of that yeah exactly and that's not necessarily where we're planning to to dive deep in this episode but because of all of that they got a yeah they got a um a four-part docu-series kind of um working as a how do you expose i guess of the duggars and um the theology they abide by that comes from a false teacher called bill gothard um, and then in response to that, a couple of their eldest daughters who are married out of the house, um, have come up with books of their own. One of which was actually, uh, one of the daughters was actually in that docu-series just to kind of expose that there is a difference between the teachings of Jesus Christ and the false interpretations of those teachings of, uh, by Bill Gothard. And which is really important to know yeah. because a lot of times when, um, you know, when scandals like this come to the woodwork, especially recently, seemed like, you know, for this generation's, uh, you know, for my generation's, you know, fallen pastors, it seemed like it started with Ravi. Yeah. It seemed like Ravi Zacharias was kind of the first one from, oh, those are the teachers that, like, I care about. Mm-hmm. Um, that actually, <clears throat> you know, they actually had a big fall. Um, and it's not like we intend to do like a series or nothing <laughs> covering a lot, you know, covering all these failures and stuff. But, you know, maybe some of the big ones, you know, mm-hmm. you know, John MacArthur. Yeah. But that's another episode. <laughs> all right. That, that's another. Yeah. He is. He yeah. is. He's an, he's another couple of episodes. I'm going to be honest. Yeah. Um, But there's something to be said for the reality that it's not just liberal left-leaning blue theology mm-hmm. that can absolutely shipwreck your faith yeah. and, and make mockery of the gospel. Um, in a lot of ways that, I mean, that stuff does, but it's so opposite Jesus and so hostile to the Bible that once, once left-leaning liberal theology kind of grows up to its fullest form, it just walks out the house and says, Jesus, what do I want? I I want to separate myself from you. I want to look different than you. Mm -hmm. And so in that way, I'm not saying that liberal theology is good. 
but sometimes it kind of solves its own problem as far as, well, people think this is Christianity. Well, the guy on stage is saying that this is not. So yeah. that aspect you don't have to worry about. But conservative leaning, right leaning, red uh, heresies, yeah, those are the ones that, in my opinion, can do sometimes the most lasting damage just because of the fact that it so blatantly calls itself Christianity. Yeah. Um, that was something, you know, that we're going to start kind of working through in this episode, but um, something that I really appreciate about one of their daughters, Jill, who um, she calls it disentangling her faith from um, the heresy that she grew up in. Um, but something that I especially love and admire about her whole um, walk through this is that in the process of writing a book and disentangling, not deconstructing, right? Because we've seen that ad nauseum all over social media of people deconstructing their faith and pretty much just walking away yeah. and claiming it to be religious trauma, right? Yeah. Which And I use the word, like the word deconstructing is the first word in the, you know, in the description of this podcast, mm -hmm. but like, look at my full sentence, right? Mm -hmm. Like deconstructing myths yeah. around Christianity to construct Something a new. life that is loyal to Jesus. And a lot of the deconstruction doesn't care about yeah. constructing a life that's loyal to Jesus. It's right. like, okay, I found a heresy and I don't like it. And then you go full blown Absalom and start wanting to murder David. Mm -hmm. You know? Yeah. Like, <laughs> just yeah. it's crazy and, how similar that is. Right. And that's like I was saying, I think that's something that I really admire about Ginger is that she, you know, through writing this book, I, disclaimer, have not read the book, but I've been following her on social media and watched That'll her. That'll be another. That'll episode. be another. <laughs> Yeah, another thing for another time. But following her, like her podcast. Like, share, and subscribe the podcast, and, all right? Send it to people that you think really enjoyed the Duggars. We'll blow their minds. Uh, but yeah, following like her vlog and podcast and stuff over the last few years with her husband, just I really admire that in the process of proclaiming the true gospel, she's also showcased how to maintain relationships with her family while still like preaching that to her family, right? Like immediately after um, publishing this book in the midst of all this, you know, expose drama of the docuseries that came out, right. All that publicity from, from that docuseries, she's posting about like, Hey, I, she posted a blog about going back to her family and spending time with her family to maintain those relationships in the midst of all of that family drama. And I love that, you know, as like your family being a ministry as well. Um, you know, cause that is your hardest missions field is your family, mm -hmm. you know, cause they've been through all the nitty gritty and they know all of you know, hey, your book and ick. Hey, Jesus said it, man. No prop yeah. is acceptable in his hometown. Right. And in the right? Pro in the process of doing all that, I, I just love that she's modeling that in a really uh, uplifting way instead of dragging her family through the mud, you know, like so many others would have, you know, and uh, through this. And do. And do. Yeah. And um, in the midst of the deconstruction movement, if you will. Um, I just really love that about her and her testimony that she's um, been doing a lot of interviews lately about that. And I think that's really admirable of her. Um, you now, know. a question that I do have, because um, you'd pro I mean, I've got my own ideas, um, but, you know, you actually watched the show. Mm -hmm. um, what was the, you know, what was the appeal of a show like that beyond just the novelty of, how do you handle 20 million kids? <laughs> I think that was the primary that's the, that's, draw. That's, yeah, that's the primary that's, draw that's of the, the show is like, I can barely handle my own tiny little, you know, my crew, you know, let alone a family of 21, you know, like homeschooling all of them and they travel for like speaking engagements and they publish all these books and like all this stuff. I'm like, how do you do it all? It's like, what in the world? She doesn't raise her voice. She was always soft-spoken, which honestly, watching it now as an adult, I'm like, that's just kind of eerie. <laughs> yeah, now that it's we just, have, now now we that have, we have a yeah. one-year-old, yeah. it's like, that doesn't, yeah, that's it's not just, a thing. Yeah. Um, but with that, like, that's the primary draw is, um, is that. And I think the secondary is that for... A lot of people, there's not a quote unquote Christian representation, especially in reality TV. And so that was kind of a quote unquote representation. I remember as a kid, that was something that sparked my interest because I'm like, you don't really see 
homeschoolers or Christians getting any kind of positive press, you know, besides. See, but that's the thing. Yeah, besides them. That's the thing that kind of got me about it when that kind of rubbed me the wrong way, honestly, mm-hmm. um, when they were in their heyday. And like I said, I didn't watch the show, so it's not like I watched enough to have like an informed opinion. But, you know, just that concept of like, oh, look at our Christian mascots. Yeah. Like these guys are the representation of Christianity. And I'm like, I don't know, like, it's just one of those, I mean, you, you can call it racist, I guess, but I'm just like, dude, like as a, as a black teenager mm-hmm. they do not represent my christianity <laughs> like they, they they do not yeah. all right like it's cool that y'all are like that you know what i mean mm-hmm. but like there's a lot of uh i don't know how else to say this but like just whiteness mm-hmm. kind of and, and that's not like and i'm not even saying that like that's a bad thing like that's your culture that's your culture right like that'd be like someone from you know I'd be like someone from some white as rice suburbia looking at me, mm-hmm. you know, bumping Lecrae, Shy Lynn, um, Stephen the Levite, and all these different like Christian hip hop artists and saying, like, look, it's good that you love Jesus. And I'm not even knocking on you, mm-hmm. but like that cultural expression of Christianity is not one that I can easily relate to. And that's mm-hmm. perfectly fine. It's perfectly fine, you know? Just don't lift me up as mm-hmm. like some mascot of Christianity for all people in all places and all time. Like, and what can happen with shows like that is you end up lifting people up and saying, look, these, this is the Mm -hmm. model of Christianity. When you come into line with Jesus, your life will look like this. You'll have their same, you know, thoughts on frugality. You'll have their same thoughts on child rearing. You'll have Mm -hmm. their same thoughts on education. Yeah. On all these things that are like half the time, not even secondary issues. Mm -hmm. You know, but you lift it up as like, this is the cookie cutter mold for how to be a Christian, Um, which is its own problem. You know, like this is assuming that, you know, let's assume that they were fine and there was no other drama that came out from them. Right. Like that is a problem, like lifting up any one cultural expression of Christianity, white, black, Chinese, Japanese, whatever, lifting up any one cultural expression of loyalty to Jesus and saying, this is the way this, this is, you know, not just a good model to show you, but like the model T that all other cars in the future are going to be like modeled off of is that is its own problem and causes its own kind of alienation. Um, because then you got cats like me looking at it like, well, I mean, that's just not me. Yeah. Like I know Jesus. Yeah. But that's just not me, you know? And I think kind of continuing off of that, I think watching it as a kid, it was enamoring. And then watching it as an adult, especially now as a mom, is like unnerving, you know? And which, uh, you know, especially after watching, I didn't finish the whole expose. I watched halfway through episode three. But then talking about, you know, how they would train their babies to stop crying. Yeah, that's, man. Like, that's, that's, that's dark. That, yeah. That's dark. I, I, don't, I don't know any other, and I don't use Ooh. this word lightly. Yeah. All right? Like, anyone that knows me knows I have a penchant for aiming for the most charitable mm. interpretation of a situation that I don't have firsthand knowledge of. Yeah. Right? Um, because I just feel like that's the Christ-like thing to do. I feel mm-hmm. like it keeps, I feel like that's one way to guard yourself against hypercriticism and, you know, the sort of anxiety, um, that Jesus warned about in Luke six, uh, you know, check back to previous episodes where we talked about this sort of thing. Um, and it helps you see people as people instead of as mm-hmm. like demons from the pit of hell, <laughs> right? When you try and be charitable towards people. Right. But like what they were talking about, as far as like how they train their kids to stop crying. I was like, I don't yeah. have a word for that. That's demonic, bro. Yeah, like that. Yeah. I cannot vibe with that, but just a lot of the, a lot of things. They just leave know? them. Yeah. They just leave them. No, they know they train them. So they have to stay on a blanket. Like they, like the crying only happens on this blanket. Oh yeah. And yeah, so their, yeah, their not, approach yeah. or something is to like curb their tantrums that way what in the world or or you could or just address could them why they're crying figure out why <laughs> yeah crying. this little kid that doesn't even have language skills right? 
was crying. Oh, but there's a lot of things. I, as an adult watching the show and then watching the documentary is they're not, I would argue, not handling it according to scripture because in, especially in seeing how they handled their oldest son's um, sexual proclivities, you know, all of the sin wrapped up in that, like they did not handle it biblically. They just sent him away to like a work camp for a bit and swept it under the rug and pretty much told their daughters like, okay, we're going to move on. <laughs> like, whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> it requires yeah. a lot of, a lot more than just sweeping it under the rug, but a lot of things like I could go on for a hot minute, but I think something that struck me in starting to watch this docuseries is just the difference between discipleship and joining a cult. Hey, speak on it. Speak on it. <laughs> like the, they talked to one of the daughters that was featured in the documentary, Jill was talking a bit about how her parents um, came to know about Bill Gothard and I guess Jesus. <laughs> um, <laughs> and that's how I would word it anyways. Um, you know, they, I guess Jim Bob, the husband, uh, went to a tent meeting and was converted, right? And then which I guess... It's all fine, right? Which Billy, is, yep. Billy Graham had tent meetings, right? Right. right. Um, but then, um, you know, and then Michelle, I guess they were dating. So then she got brought to a tent meeting. She got converted there. Um, and then it just kind of stops. Like, there's not a drive to preach the gospel. Like, when you hear somebody... Who, get saved and they have like the gospel in their soul. Like Jesus has cleansed them from their sin. There is a drive to tell like, Oh my gosh, who in my life needs to know about this? You know? And he's the focus of the message every time. Yeah. And like the person that brought you to mm -hmm. Jesus is at best a footnote mm -hmm. in your retelling of what happened. Yeah. Because dog, I met the light of the world. Yeah. Like, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world and now mine. Yeah. And in watching the show, like looking back, I'm like, I don't remember seeing them go to church. They talked a lot about their home church. Uh -huh. um, they don't really, they talk a lot about attending these seminars, not attending service, like church service and um, partaking of the means and grace, you know, and all of those things. Like, you know, yes, we will finish. We that will series. finish that series in time. But um like you don't really see a drive to live life biblically, despite them saying, you know, the reason we got the show on TLC was so that way people could hear about Jesus. And we wanted people to see our faith. And I'm like, that's, that's not giving the gospel though. That's see, not making disciples of all nations. And that's not what the great commission is. Right. Like seeing your faith. We say that a lot too, man. Like I just want people to see my faith yeah. and we'll say that as like some sort of a, Almost you know, <laughs> not even cop. I mean, it sometimes is a cop out, but sometimes we're cocky and saying it like it's yeah. it's that bridge. It's that glasses on the end of the nose looking down at the, the petulant scowl. child, <laughs> you know, with the wisdom of the ages to their naivete. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> you think we actually preach the gospel? Mm -hmm. You think we actually tell people, Jesus? Look, kid. The yeah. more effective means of evangel is just letting people see yeah. your faith. Yeah. And I'm like, okay, <laughs> then I guess Jesus and John the Baptist were naive little kids that didn't understand <laughs> evangelism. I guess Literally any of the disciples, Paul, like anywhere in scripture. like I guess they were naive little children that didn't yeah. understand that they didn't need to preach this message and get themselves strung up on crosses. They just had to yeah. live moral lives that were decent mm -hmm. enough for TLC. Yeah. And that would have been enough to turn the world upside down. Right. Cause I guarantee you TLC wasn't like, Oh yeah, we would love to give you a platform to, to spread the gospel. No. Yeah. The same channel that now <laughs> like, like headlines milf manner. Right. You, you know, know like, like, I don't think that was TLC's draw to sure. give you guys Sure. What started the as a same, special the to same whole channel, years long series. The same channel that at yeah. the time had sister wives. Right. I don't think that they wanted the religious diversity for the sake of equality. I think it was more so to be like the freak show mentality of like, oh my gosh. Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah. How? Yeah, you're not you know? you're not Jesus freaks. Right. You're just freaks. Yeah. <laughs> like, and that's that's why TLC put you on their, on their program, you know? Yeah. That's why they gave you a program. I mean, but yeah, no, just the, 
that that to me as an adult has floored me as like dude mm-hmm. so many people just yeah um yeah. but again but yeah. again it reflects on us too mm-hmm. right because what is scripture say mm-hmm. about not just false teachers but those that follow mm-hmm. false teachers right like like we accumulate for ourselves teachers that suit our own itching ears yeah right like we go after things that preach the desires in our own souls yeah right like it's not just like the false teachers are gonna have their day mm-hmm. but like you got like you can pick who you listen to mm-hmm. especially in america you can pick who you listen to um, you can pick who you know you champion, who you support, and I get it. A lot of this stuff was hidden under wraps, and there was no mm-hmm. possible way for anybody to know mm-hmm. about this stuff. I'm simply saying that you could have noticed, like you said, you know, they don't really like the gospel mm-hmm. of it's not you, it's him. The gospel of repent, the mm-hmm. kingdom of heaven is at hand. That's not being. It's not really. Yeah talked about on this show what is though is bill gothard's rules not necessarily the gospel right bill gothard's rules of modesty bill gothard's well even system of authority right you know and that was before people even knew his name it was just like oh okay they're modest okay they're frugal Mm -hmm. and it's like okay that makes them christian really Mm -hmm. like that like that is the conservative trap of okay they do things that are responsible and morally clean Mm -hmm. therefore they must be on the team right because they're not the pink-haired people screaming about shout my abortion Mm -hmm. so they must be on the team they didn't vote for biden so they must be on the team Mm -hmm. like clearly like that's your that's your rubric yeah so the pharisees are on the team yeah all right because anybody well i shouldn't say anybody most people (laughs) Most people that would subscribe to this podcast, you fully agree with the theology of the Pharisees. Mm. Like all this stuff that they would mainline, Mm. that God's all powerful, you know, that Israel is the chosen nation of God, no other nation, Mm. right? That when Messiah comes, you know, he's fixing the world, right? Like you would agree with all of that. And yet, the most important thing, hey, should we crucify this Jesus guy? You'd be like, um, yeah, no. Yeah. No. Yeah. Really? But we agree on literally everything else. Yeah, but the most important thing. Yeah. You are dead set against. How could we possibly be on the same team? Yeah. How, how could we possibly be foreign in the same way? Like, no, I'm, we're different. We're different, but you know, because they got a lot of kids, they're Christian, right? Mm-hmm. That's our only judge because we don't value good theology. Yeah. This, yeah. Like that was essentially what I saw. Yeah. You know, and the same thing happened with, I don't know, the, the, the black version of the Duggars after them, you know, like, yeah, there is like another family kind of sort of at the tail end of their TV reign. I don't know much about them. I just know they was on. But I was like, y'all look like the Duggars. Like, the exact same, just black. <laughs> like, that. like they yeah. all, well, I mean, that's because the Duggars are the one with all the stuff coming out. But, yeah. like, yeah, same thing with that show. Yeah. I know, and, like, we'll kind of dive into it more in the second half. But just kind of what you are touching on a second ago, just, like, the importance of being rooted in the word rather than the teachings of whoever you're submitting to for teaching, you know, Mm -hmm. like whether it be Bill Gothard or even your local pastor, right? Like it doesn't matter who it is that you're listening to, um, making sure you're going back to scripture and you're being firmly rooted, you know, like James talks about so that we don't get tossed to and fro, um, in the waves, but also, um, like it's all throughout Colossians. Like I, you know, in prepping for this episode, just, Colossians 2 just um, comes to mind several different verses, but especially um, verse 8. See to it that no one takes you captive by philosophy and empty deceit according to human tradition, according to the elemental spirits of the world and not according to Christ. And, you know, it continues on um, about how we're supposed to be rooted in Christ and what that looks like. But 
just thinking about, you know, specifically about the Bill Gothard and Duggar uh, philosophies, right? Like it's so easy to get swept up into that, you know, where he talks about the different realms of authority and we're going to touch on that a little bit more. Which I will have Oof, fun very, a lot of playing. Fun um, you know, their modesty, the their homeschool curriculum. Don't get me started on that. Um, but you will have fun filleting in the next half. Yeah. Um, but just, you know, the long list of things, which um, to go with what you're saying about the Pharisees, like if um, when you were looking at Bill Gothard's uh-huh. stuff, you're like, this seems pretty erudite. But like it's talking to the people that followed him. Uh-huh. We're like, yeah, but the way that he lives it out and he teaches us to live it out. Um, is not, is at, all. not at all what scripture teaches. We just use the same words. Right. You know, but we don't at all like. Yeah import the same definition of those Mm -hmm. words that you do um romans 16 um starting in verse 17 paul says i appeal to you brothers christians Mm -hmm. the entire christian community of rome i appeal to you to watch out for those who cause divisions Mm -hmm. another episode (laughs) and create obstacles contrary to the doctrine that you have been taught Mm colon space avoid them yeah that is just a clear-cut command right like anyone that is teaching you something contrary to the doctrine that you have been taught now what doctrine is that well since it's paul writing it that would mean anything in your bible yeah right like anything that's not co-signed by me or the other apostles or the word of god itself like don't listen to that yeah don't listen to them And yes, that included even them. Mm. As Paul would say in another letter in Galatians, if one of us 12 apostles comes back through town and teaches you something contrary to what we taught you a year and a half ago, don't listen to us anymore. Mm. Like, we have less authority than the message that we bring. That is definitely a point of clarification between true ministers of the gospel and the Bill Gothard types that write their own rules as they go along, right? The apostles had a message. They didn't add to it. And once that message was taught in full, they said, now that message has full authority in this place. Not us. Yeah. Even as apostles, right? And no one ranks higher than the apostles. I think we can at least agree on that. Mm. <clears throat> Right. And he says, avoid them, just straight up avoid them for such persons do not serve our Lord Christ. Mm-hmm. That's as clear cut as it gets. doesn't matter what they say. doesn't matter what's in their statement of faith on the website. The Bible has spoken, right? The thing that has more authority than the teacher has spoken and said that people that create obstacles contrary to the doctrine that's been taught and cause divisions do not serve our Lord Christ, but their own appetites. Mm. And by smooth talk and flattery, they deceive who? Unbelievers? No, the hearts of the naive. Christians that don't know Christianity. That's who they deceive. For your obedience is known to all so that I rejoice over you. But I want you to be wise as to what is good and innocent as to what is evil. The God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. The world's coming, right? Your faith is known. False teachers are coming. Watch out. Watch out. And we're going to talk more in the next half here about not being naive (laughs) and what that looks like and kind of, you know, bringing to light, you know, some of the worst of Bill Gothard's teaching and letting scripture just, you know, fillet it to pieces. Um, So with that being said, enjoy the intermission and we'll be right back with the show. A quick meditation on the importance of doctrine and fellowship out of the small book of 3 John. 3 John, verse 9. I have written something to the church, but Diotrephes, who likes to put himself first, does not acknowledge our authority. So if I come, I will bring up what he is doing, talking wicked nonsense against us. And not content with that, he refuses to welcome the brothers and also stops those who want to and puts them out of the church. Beloved, do not imitate evil, but imitate good. 
Whoever does good is from God. Whoever does evil has not seen God. You see the connection there between false teaching and disruption amongst the fellowship, amongst the body of believers? This Diotrephes guy was refusing to acknowledge the authority of the apostles and putting himself first. And because of that, he had to interrupt the fellowship of all the believers that did. Right? Bad teaching creates bad fellowship. Bad teaching creates bad fellowship because it removes Christ and the authority of the scriptures from the picture. Alright, don't be naive. Get in the word. Be grounded and fellowship with each other. Sharpen each other as iron sharpens iron so that false teachers like this Diotrephes of old and Bill Gothard of today don't swallow you whole too. Enjoy the show. All right, welcome back to the Foreign Saints podcast, continuing our post check on the Duggars. Um, We're opening up this back half with Matthew chapter 22, starting in verse 23. What's that got to do with the Duggars? You'll see. Um, It reads, The same day Sadducees came to him, who say that there is no resurrection. So the Sadducees specifically denied the resurrection and any book of the Bible after the first five, I mean, they had their issues yeah. for sure. Um, it's like the Pharisees had legalism, but the Sadducees had legal legalism. It was it was just it was a different kind. It was it was, it was weird. Um, you know, a lot of just being very fast and loose with things. And they asked him a question, saying, "Teacher, Moses said, if a man dies having no children, his brother must marry the widow and raise up offspring for his brother." Now there were seven brothers among us. The first married and died, and having no offspring, left his wife to his brother. So too the second and third, down to the seventh. Pretty ridiculous scenario (laughs) when you think about it. Um, After them all, the woman died. In the resurrection, you know, in the next Mm -hmm. life, therefore, of the seven, whose wife will she be? For they all had her. Now, they're not asking that question, expecting an answer. They're asking that question to to prove that the resurrection is a silly doctrine, Mm -hmm. right? What does this have to do with the Duggars? Well, Jesus's response has to do with it. Jesus answered them, you're wrong, because you know neither the scriptures nor the power of God. All right, like... And, and then he goes on to explain, you know, in the resurrection, they're not given in marriage and a whole other episode, right? Um, primary interpretation, uh, ridiculous scenarios tend to come from people that don't understand anything about God or the mm. scripture. Um, application for today, same thing with ridiculous teaching, Yeah. right? A lot of ridiculous teaching, especially when it's believed. You know what I mean? Like, because people will hear the realms of authority uh, teaching of Bill Gothard, which we are about to outline here, um, and think, oh, well, that makes sense. That makes a lot of sense. All right. And it's like, well, yeah, but only because you know nothing of the scriptures and the power of God, which is like kind of everything. Right. Like what in Christianity is really outside of those two things, the power of God and the resurrection and the scriptures that tell you about it. Like, if you don't know either one of those two, you are up a creek without much of a paddle at all. Yeah. Um, and so as far as, you know, that philosophy goes, um, Meredith, what have you heard concerning these multiple umbrellas? Right? Um, it's kind of a trick question, you'll understand. <laughs> I've heard that as long as you stand under your umbrella, Satan will not touch you. Yeah. yeah. So there's like varying umbrellas, right? So like the kids had to be under their umbrella of authority of their parents. You know, the wife has her umbrella, um, you know, for her husband's authority. And it just climbs up the ladder to God. Um, 
and I remember the the documentary kind of talked a little bit about that and just how they that is one of the most primary teachings of Bill Gothard that if you're following him like you're you're hearing that constantly that you need to be submitting to your authority submit to your authority submit to your authority which is just ripe for abuse right but also is not what scripture teaches in regards to authority right you know like it's not that we have to follow the authority or else like satan will just obviously get you like satan's gonna get you regardless of who you're submitting to then we'll get into that we'll, we'll touch on that but it's just wild that um, Matter of fact, y'all is listening should go ahead and just go ahead and pull up Job chapter 41. 41, right? yeah. Like, because that's yeah. what we're about to have fun with. Yeah. But y'all have definitely seen this before. Like yeah. that picture that y'all, that you just described about the umbrellas, I guarantee you that at least half of the people listening to this have a like colored picture in their head from seeing a poster of this at some mm-hmm. Awana's class or something <laughs> in their time. Like, I have seen this picture mm-hmm. of, like, and we've seen it even circulating on Facebook sometimes, you mm-hmm. know? Like, kids, wife, husband, mm-hmm. God, you know? And it's like, you know, things just work perfectly that way. And I'm like, I mean, in a very, very bare-bone sense, if you're saying that that's just the structure of a home then sure with air quotes assuming of course that you bring in the rest of what the bible has to say about that right like like for instance teaching out of first peter three that i can almost guarantee was not brought (laughs) up in any of these like bill gothard hyper conservative um areas right as husbands live in an understanding way mm-hmm. with their wives honoring her as the weaker vessel and co-heir of eternal life that, that puts her on equal footing with you actually mm-hmm. as far as eternal life goes right and then you can even start to poke possible holes in that husband's umbrella mm-hmm. depending on how he's living mm-hmm. right because it says in that same chapter hey um you know be good to your wife mm-hmm. you know what i mean like lest your prayers be hindered, Mm. right? That's something that only goes to a husband, Mm. right? Like, which I mean, a husband's prayer life can be hindered, will be hindered. Yeah. If the way that he's living before his wife, the way that he's handling his wife is improper. Yeah. Wives don't have that same threat. So to, you know, for Mm -hmm. lack of a better word in the Bible, yeah, and I think another one of the critiques of the Duggars was, was it good to treat his wife <laughs> to make that many babies? You know, because like part one of the biggest critiques of the show when it was still running was giving birth that many times is not good on a woman's body, especially full term pregnancies. Like it'd be one thing if it was a lot of miscarriages. That would be very sad and tragic. But that's different than full-term pregnancies. And then breastfeeding. and Expand and contract. Expand and contract. Hormonal storm after hormonal storm. Yeah. Is that really loving and, you know, honoring to your wife? In a day and age when we have the medical technology to know all of what that does. Right. You know, question to discuss. Um, What we're here for, though, is, and this this is where we get awkward. And where we have to say, all right, it's been fun, you know, (laughs) poking our fun and making Mm -hmm. sport of the Duggars. But this is where um, I got to ask, man, like, how many of y'all drinking from Bill Gothard's cup, though? Like, how many of y'all out there actually believe that, you know, certain very surface level acts of quote unquote obedience keep Satan out the home? Yeah. The way that. Uh, idol worshippers believe that burying sage in the backyard keeps out a demon. Mm. You know, like how many, how many of y'all actually believe yeah. that keeping certain video games out the house means that Satan doesn't have a foothold here? Or ensuring that your kids go to Awana every week. How many posts on Facebook have been shared of mm-hmm. saying, hey, you got to watch out for X and X new craze amongst the youth because, mm-hmm. you know, 
demons get a foothold and if you got that then they got mm -hmm. foothold into your house and all of these things and you know no one ever actually defines what that means or how it works or how it's possible that a piece of driftwood that was carved up in a mattel factory carries <laughs> demonic forces with it you know does your cup of coffee at starbucks you know yeah. what i mean like like yeah. how much of this you know satanic superstition do you carry around yeah. in you right like do like do you honestly believe that satan has more power in your life by virtue of objects and practices done than yeah. by virtue of the ideas that float around in your mind unchecked yeah. than by virtue of your lack of fidelity and just drinking up of the scriptures mm. right if you turn to job chapter 41 you shall be rewarded because that's where we're at right now this is a very fun chapter uh yeah her and i were we, we were going through isaiah on our own um it is my personal belief look ken ham love you all right answers in genesis love all y'all mm -hmm. right learned a lot from answers in genesis you know Same. that you take scripture seriously you know <laughs> that it can be relied upon but because of that same lesson that you taught me i gotta say i disagree with your interpretation that leviathan is a plesiosaur my guy Wait, wait, I thought this was about the Duggars. Why are we talking about Leviathan and dinosaurs? Oh, just just let me cook, all right? <laughs> just, just, just let me cook for a few minutes, okay? Uh, chapter 41 of Job, right? God questioning Job, and through Job, us, because this is what's recorded, says, can you draw out Leviathan with a fish hook? And I'm going to give away the game from the jump, mm -hmm. all right? Like, Leviathan is Satan. Mm. That's just... That's what that's talking about. It's not some sea serpent. It's Satan. Yeah. Right. And the point that God's going to make through this chapter is by using, you know, dragony, dragonish imagery in describing the toughness of Satan. The point that he's going to make to Job is, can anything you do hold him back? Like, apart from me, do you have anything to fight this guy? No, you don't. Um, and so let's just hear what God has to say. Um, can you draw out Leviathan with a fish hook or press down his tongue with a cord? Can you put a rope in his nose or pierce his jaw with a hook? Will he make many pleas to you? Will he speak to you soft words? What, you, you think a little six realm of authority has got Satan shook because of you? Will he make a covenant with you to take him for your servant forever? Will you play with him as with a bird? Or will you put him on a leash for your girls? Really? Will traders bargain over him? Will they divide him up among the merchants? Can you fill his skin with harpoons or his head with fishing spears? Lay your hands on him. Remember the battle. You will not do it again. Behold, the hope of a man is false. He is laid low even at the sight of him. Right? The hope of a man is false when he comes through. Right? God's above him. I ain't saying that. God's just giving Job a reality check and us on who Satan is. Because a lot of us be talking way too big for our britches about Satan. You know what I mean? Like, like he's not, you know, spiritually speaking, this fire-breathing dragon that just wrecks shop wherever he goes. You know? That your only hope against Satan is the blood of Christ. That's it. It's not any of your rituals, not any of your behavior modification. Nothing to do with beating this guy. Verse 10. No one is so fierce that he dares to stir him up. Who then is he who can stand before me? You catch God's argument to Job, right? Mm. No one on earth has any hope of standing against Satan. Just Satan. And Job, you want to talk to me? The way that you've been talking to me yeah. you can't even come against the dragon yeah i can mm -hmm. i can grab him by a hook i can put him on a leash i can make him dance like a bird mm -hmm. you can't but you want to talk to me some kind of way yeah that's the argument here but the argument only works if that first premise is true you don't have any hope in a 1v1 against mm -hmm. the devil but we think we do 
Right. As long as you stay under your umbrella. As long as you stay under your umbrella, though, because a fire-breathing dragon is thwarted by one umbrella. Mm -hmm. Well, we have six. He'll burn all six. Mm -hmm. Right? Was Job not standing under realms of authority properly? I mean, he was considered a righteous man. Right? God. He even gave sacrifices for his kids. Yeah. He held up his umbrella properly, yeah. according to Bill Gothard's teaching. Now, Job was not a Bill Gothardite. <laughs> All right. He was a follower of Jehovah. Mm -hmm. Right. Went through a lot of difficult stuff. I ain't judging Job. I'm just saying I know how a cat like Bill Gothard would preach Job. Mm -hmm. They wouldn't go further than the first couple chapters because the rest of the book causes problems for that theology. Right. What? Well, Job was holding up his end of the umbrella. Mm -hmm. Right. So why did all this bad stuff happen to Job? Yeah. And no less from Satan. Yeah. The book straight up says the dragon himself came to call against Job mm. and burned the whole kingdom down in a day. Yeah. Despite, in spite of his faithfulness. Job's, if yeah. anything, because of. Right. That was what attracted Satan to Job in the first place as a target. Yeah. Hey, God, let me do my dragon thing with Job and he'll curse you to your face. Yeah. There's so many places in scripture you can point to about how, like, regardless uh, or I should say, because Satan will be going after you to abide all the more closely, mm -hmm. you know, like it says countless times in this world, you will have trouble yeah. <laughs> like that. That scripture is for the the chosen, you know, yeah, yeah, for yeah. us. Like it's not because you are under an umbrella, you're going to have a perfect life. That's very prosperity gospel. It is, you know, and it does not abide with anywhere in scripture old or new right you know like the israelites were the chosen people you know mm -hmm. they they did the the festivals and the rituals on occasion yeah on the rare occasion you know they, they sin we all do but like you see all the all throughout scripture like regardless of the faithfulness there's still going to be hardship you mm -hmm. know because you know new jerusalem is not our current reality, you know, God has not come and restored the earth yet. Like we're going to have tribulations. We're going to have trials. We're going to have sinful temptations, regardless of how closely we abide. It's just how closely we abide helps us fight that all the more. Yep. And we're going to keep going. I'm yeah. reading the whole chapter. Like we're get, <laughs> we're getting this full, we're getting this full chapter of God gassing up Satan to humble you and mm -hmm. your and what you think your self-efforts can do. Yeah. Uh, continuing then from verse 12, God keeps going. I won't keep silence concerning his limbs or his mighty strength or his goodly frame. I'm reading the ESV. Read what you want. <laughs> Who can strip off his outer garment? Who would come near him with a bridle? Oh, you're going to control him? You're going to tell him what to do? You're going to ride him? Mm -hmm. Who can open the doors of his face? Around his teeth is terror. His back is made of rows of shields, shut up closely as with a seal. One is so near to another that no air can come between them. They are joined one to another. They clasp each other and cannot be separated. His sneezings, his sneezings flash forth light. Mm -hmm. And his eyes are like the eyelids of the dawn. Out of his mouth go flaming torches, sparks of fire leap forth. Out of his nostrils comes forth smoke, as from a boiling pot and burning rushes. Impenetrable hide, unopenable mouth, and even if you could open it, you're met with rows of teeth, and he sneezes and breathes fire. But you think that your behavior modification. Yeah. Okay, okay. His breath kindles coals and a flame comes forth from his mouth. In his neck abides strength, and terror dances before him. The folds of his flesh stick together, firmly cast on him and immovable. His heart is hard as a stone, hard as the lower millstone. That's a verse for a study for something else. When he raises himself up, the mighty are afraid. At the crashing, they're beside themselves. Though the sword reaches him, it does not avail nor the spear, the dart, or the javelin. He counts iron as straw and bronze as rotten wood. 
Not even strong wood. The arrow cannot make him flee. For him, sling stones are turned to stubble. Clubs are counted as stubble. He laughs at the rattle of javelins. His underparts are like sharp potsherds. He spreads himself like a threshing sledge on the mire. He makes the deep boil like a pot. He makes the sea like a pot of ointment. Behind him, he leaves a shining wake. One would think the deep to be white-haired. On earth, there is not his like, a creature without fear. He sees everything that is high. He is king over all the sons of pride. But your behavior modification, <laughs> your, your little six umbrellas of authority. Yeah. That's enough. Yeah. That's enough. The, look, look. The Bible is not teaching in this chapter that dragons are real. The way that some, maybe they were, maybe they weren't. The Bible is just not teaching that. Right? The Bible is not teaching in this chapter that plesiosaurs exist or not. That's not the purpose of the chapter. The purpose of the chapter is to teach Job and through Job us the fierceness of Satan. And because Satan's a spiritual being, right, God's got to give some sort of physical description of it so that we as physical beings can under, yeah. can kind of scale the power. And so we limited cognitive capacity here. Right. Be, like, right. Yeah. Because you don't know everything in the universe, I have to find something within your realm of understanding mm -hmm. that's tougher than anything yeah. for you to understand that you can't fight this. And God goes with a dragon. Yeah. Right. If anything, it makes the description even better if dragons don't exist, because then God's like, you don't even have anything on earth yeah, that, that suffices. Right. I have to use yeah. a mythical creature yeah. to scale the toughness. Like you can't fight him, yeah. but you want to talk to me some kind of way. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. You need me because He's running rampant in the earth, but you want to talk to me crazy. Yeah. Right. But as far as the Bill Gothard stuff goes, he, he really teaches that like, yeah, if you just dot your I's and cross your T's, Satan can't touch you. Yeah. What? What do you do with the book of Job, sir? Right. What do you do with that? Yeah. What do you do with the book of the Revelation, which just straight up tells you like it tells us multiple times that the beast will have authority to trample down the saints and he will do it for x amount of time they're living right that's why they're called saints yeah. and yet they're going to be trampled yeah. by you know a satan empowered nation right what do you do with the apostles they lived right right a lot of them were married too what happened to all of them crucified yeah pulled apart by horses killed with spears dunked in cauldrons of boiling oil and then exiled to prison yeah. but they're living right so technically none of that stuff should have happened right yeah and i think it it continues like you know the you have to wear for like the women you have to wear skirts down to your ankles and you have to homeschool to protect your kids from the ideologies of the world and the long list of things go on and it's one of those i'm like i guarantee you satan doesn't just, care satan doesn't care but also i feel like you prove yourself wrong with your oldest son like they were preaching this mentality of like men won't lust after you or you can't you're held responsible unless you dress in this way hey guess what they were dressing that way when josh molested his sisters so I'm pretty sure yeah. that the denim skirts, <laughs> you know, like that doesn't do anything. That's not this like magical force field against lust when or rape the, or whatever. When the dragon came to their castle and <laughs> saw that their only defense was denim ankle length skirts. Yeah. He, he laughed. laughed. <laughs> he <laughs> like, laughed. This is it. Yeah. This is it. You think I can't? You think I can't inflame a man's lust yeah. to lust through some anger? You think he can't lust for the denim skirt? Right. You don't know who I am. <laughs> you clearly don't know who I am. Yeah. Right? Like, like your only defense is Jesus. Yeah. As displayed in the wilderness when the dragon came to call against an exhausted, starving Jesus. Yeah. The weakness of God is more powerful than the strength of his enemies. Right there. God's weakness is more powerful than your best behavior modification, man. Mm -hmm.
But here's a troubling quote from Ron Henzel, senior researcher, Midwest Christian Outreach Incorporated. Quote, while some people did raise concerns about Gothard's umbrella of authority chain of command teaching, a truly disturbing feature of American conservative evangelicalism in the 1970s and 80s was how few leaders and teachers objected to it. Bill Gothard was reviving medieval ideas about church authority that had been rejected by the Protestant Reformation. End quote. The stuff ain't new. And, I mean, being 2,000 years removed from the resurrection at this point, the very few, if any, false teachings really are new, right? Like, back in the early days of the church, they were facing a lot of these teachings for the first time, you know? With where we're at in history, you look back far enough, you look back deep enough, somebody's already taught this before, and some super old, long, uh, you know, long-ascended um, saint has already written or preached a refutation of it. Yeah. Like, the battle, like, that battle has already been fought and won by somebody centuries ago. It just gets brought back today, because yeah. we don't know nothing, and we don't read our Bible, so we don't know. So, it's like a book of Ecclesiastes said something about that, you know? Yeah, man, ain't nothing new under the sun. Yeah. The same stuff happens and will continue to happen, yeah. right? But make sure the thing that repeats in your life is a story of faithfulness and knowledge of the word and not a story of, you know, ignorance to it, yeah. right? You don't want it to be said of you that, yeah, the reason that you even went after Bill Gothard or went after these teachings is because you didn't know anything about the power of God or the scriptures. Yeah. That tell you Satan is not shook by any of this stuff, right? Like like you said in, in Colossians, right? Where Paul straight up says, yeah, no, th this behavior modification is completely useless mm. in curbing the desires of the flesh. Yeah. It's not, that's not helpful. Right. Right. How does the, how do you, uh, how does the devil flee from you? You resist him by the blood. Yeah. Right. That's it. That's all you got. That's it. Try any other armament. Hmm. It will fail you. It will fail you. And then someone will be making a podcast about you. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Like, that. that's why. That's why my thing is, look, man, like, to the cross I cling. Nothing else I bring. Yeah. Right? Like, we just talking. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I feel like if you're aligning yourself with, like, a sub-teaching of Scripture, you're not abiding in him like if you're like yeah so i really you know the teachings of bill gothard or fill in the blank honestly even if they are scripturally sound you're standing on rocky ground because your primary source of peace your primary source of um joy so on and so forth ought to be jesus and jesus alone you know, it's not wrong to listen to teachers, but you need to be sure that who you got to check it by you the word, dude. It. And a lot of us just yeah. pay lip service to checking it by the yep. word. We'll be like, yeah, well, I check it by the word. What you really mean is you check it by your emotional reaction to yep. the teaching, which is a horrible metric because not everything that's truly gospel feels good to your flesh. Yeah, actually, the contrary. <laughs> you know, like usually it's it the opposite. It ought to stink. Yeah, it ought right? to kind of hurt your flesh a little bit right because you're supposed to be dying to yourself daily that's not a pleasant experience but as we enter as we come are about to enter these last two minutes right the last thing i want to leave us on is perhaps the main thing that any sort of hyper conservative authoritarian view of biblical authority misses the mercy of the cross mm. right Real teaching from Bill Gothard, right? If a lady, if a wife leaves the authority of her husband and comes back, there is no celebration like a prodigal yeah. to say that your brother is fully restored. Instead, what he preaches is she's like a diamond, but cracked. Mm. And she is not equal to the value that she would have had had she stayed faithful the entire time. I don't know how you square that with when the king says, when I go get that one lost sheep, Yep. That was found that left the 99. Yeah, I rejoice yeah. over it even greater yeah. than the 99. Yeah. 
that never left. Right? It's a complete reversal of the gospel where God has more pleasure over the 99 that stayed than over one leaving and returning. Mm. Right? It's taking the side of the prodigal to say, yeah, Father, your mercy was wasted on this one. Mm. I deserve the fattened calf. Mm. It's a complete affront to the gospel. Mm. Right? That's your metric. That's your metric. Anytime another hyper-authoritarian Bill Gothard comes out, ask him about that parable. Who does the father take more joy in? The 99 that stayed or the one that left? Their answer tells you who they really ride for. Yeah. And that's all I got to say about that. <laughs> that's all yeah. I got to say about that. Yeah. No, I think I think that's that's a good place to end it. So thanks for listening. Thanks for listening, man. We'll be back next week with more martyr stories and I don't know, some other nonsense to talk about, probably. Yeah. Peace. <laughs>